Greetings, friends. Welcome to the Pin Tool Podcast. My name is Al Wayman, owner of Creek Road Pottery in Laceyville, Pennsylvania, next to the cold Tuscarora Creek. Pull up your chair around the wheels. We discuss topics concerning the art and craft of pottery, good books, storytelling, marketing, and creating work that matters for folks who care. Greetings, everyone. It's been a long time, and I just wanted to come back on and give some updates on what's been going on around the pottery. The, the Tuscarora Creek has gotten colder, and we got our first snow, and um, pretty early, the 1st of November, the snow came down, and probably about a couple inches. But a lot of things have been going on. I was able to pick up two kilns. Uh, one is an Olympic updraft kiln. Uh, it was sold to me by a lady who did pottery in uh, central New York State. So I drove up there uh, with my dad. It was a very nice trip. Uh, it was in the middle of October. And uh, we drove up there and picked up the kiln and brought it back here. And it took me some time to get it going because I needed uh, a few parts. I needed to get a very expensive basso valve because the other one was old and the button was stuck. And I wasn't, I wasn't able to uh, get the thing uh, to come back up once I pressed it down. And I took it apart and did it all. I, I think the spring underneath the button uh, was rusted and may have broke so it wasn't working correctly and you don't want to mess around with safety features but while i was waiting for for the uh new basso valve to come in uh i did a roundabout and ran gas straight to the kiln and stood out there and monitored so the wind didn't blow out the pilot so I could fire out for my Christmas show. This is kind of dangerous because without the safety valve, the gas uh, will not shut off because there is no thermocouple. It's, it's just straight to the kiln. So I had two temporary burners uh, that had no safety valves on them. So I am familiar uh, with firing without safety valves. And some of the electric to gas kilns are, in fact, very dangerous to fire if you're using weed burners uh, because there is no safety valve or shutoff. And um, there is no, there's no uh, thermocouple to shut that down if it doesn't uh, detect a flame. So you need to be babysitting by that kiln uh, almost the whole time so you know that that's not going to shut off and just pump gas into the air which is very dangerous and also a waste of money. Um, what's been going on? So uh, I had the October Pumpkin Trail sale here at the Pottery again. This is the fifth year, I believe, that I was in that trail, and it's a local trail. And the turnout was amazing. And I thought because of the economy and gas prices being high, that there would be low turnout. But that was not the case. Um, I was able to show up online and show uh, my audience how pots were made, 
get them invested in what was happening here. And they showed up and they bought the pots. It was it was an amazing show. It was it was one of my highest revenue grossing shows that I've had here, uh, local, in the shop. And I was very happy with the turnout. I I was very humbled and and I very much appreciate everybody that came out. Um, and nobody owes me anything. And my goal for every show here is to simply sell one pot. And I try not to compare compare things uh, from show to show. I, I will look back to see what I'm doing roughly for accounting purposes and to see areas that I can improve on cost and uh, productivity and things like that and cut out loss. But I don't look back in comparison to um, whether a show is good or bad uh, simply because there's a lot of other factors that are going on. Uh, it could be the economy, could be the weather, uh, that will influence those numbers. And you will feel bad when you actually did fairly well, maybe. So as long as I sell one pot to somebody who cares, that is good enough for me to say that I am still in the pottery business and still selling work because I sold a thing to somebody else who cared. That's amazing to think about. Then I came in uh, a month later. Uh, I had to start prepping work for the annual Christmas show here. And it's on, on the trail Christmas in the Country. And it's another trail put on by a series of businesses that are local. And I had a real fun time. I ended up only getting a bunch of smalls done, like mugs and bowls. Um, and I glazed them all in blue. Everybody loved the blue. Um, but the show, uh, I think, could have done better simply be if I had simply if I had um, more larger items like I did in the uh, in the fall show. Uh, in the fall show in October, I had casserole dishes and I had pie plates and things like that and large mixing bowls that people bought up, and those really drove. Um, the revenue up on the purchases uh, on what I what I made so I didn't have those large items and I was trying to uh, shall we say nickel and dime it with the smaller items and uh, it just didn't work out I had two other tables to fill and I did the same I I made extra pots and um, my wife went out bless her heart to help me and she uh she did a table at a local gallery that took some of my first pots. So it was more of a sentimental thing. I didn't expect to make a lot of money there. Um, it's just like a small little craft fair. And early on, they took my stuff. And I very much appreciate them still. I still sell in their arts, art store. Um, but uh, I always try to put a table there because I respect them still very much. And I know they work really hard. Um, they need to do some, some things differently maybe, and the economy hit them really bad. But um, I still wanted to put up a table to show them uh, I still cared. And so we went up there, and I put up the booth, and my wife um, sat that booth and sold there a few pots while I ran the home base here. 
On top of that, on the Sunday, that was the Saturday, the Sunday, yesterday, um, I went to the Scranton Cultural Center in Pennsylvania, Scranton, PA, and there were four floors of vendors for a holiday small business uh, sale. Uh, it was kind of like a buy local promotion. And there were loads of vendors there. But friends, I am terrible at direct marketing. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is the difference between story-based and permission-based marketing, like Seth Godin thinks about, um, and Donald Miller, uh, business coaches and business philosophers, um, the difference between that and direct marketing. And um, at the cultural center, there were people, uh, loads of people just coming by. And I was totally out in the open, out of my element, out in the wild, and I got pummeled. Um, I, did, I did make some sales, but I am not good at direct selling. I, I really don't feel like being a carny and yelling to people and convincing people to buy things and interrupting people. Um, but that's what you have to do. And the lady at the booth next to me, she was selling aromatherapy clay that changed colors and kids were lined up and she was, she was going to town and, uh, she was raking it in with a big rake. And there I was smiling behind a bunch of blue, blue pots, you know, <laughs> and it was quite different. So when we get down to the studio, right and we get around the treadle wheel that's going to be the topic talking about what it was like to do direct sales after working so long in the permission-based story-based uh atmosphere of a of a ground-up built community that already cares about what you do and when they show up, um, they're already excited about what you do, and they're already ready to buy uh, versus people who may not even care. <laughs> so, so let's grab your supplies. We'll, uh, we'll go down to the studio, all right, and we'll sit around the treadle wheel, and we'll talk about my experience in a big show, a fairly big show, trying to do direct marketing. So I'll meet you down there, all right? All right, so here we are in the studio. Pull up a chair around the wheel. And we'll treadle out a few mugs here while I chat with you all about direct marketing and my experience with it after being in story-based and permission-based marketing for the last couple of years. So I've been taking the last couple of years to build a story-based, permission-based marketing, which is simply uh, selling work that matters to people who care. 
and finding those people and collecting them in the community and then showing them uh, what what I do and how it's made and then uh, hopefully they will care enough to pay me for some of the pieces and it's just been an amazing journey and I really enjoy uh, doing the live um, throwing sessions and doing the live uh, updates so people can see killing openings glazing live all kinds of things uh, to educate them about uh, the process of pottery and firing and all of that so when they come they already know what came out of the kiln and uh, maybe I can design things with their help to get them excited about things and uh, it's just been an amazing process however um, I just did one show thanks to my friend Jill uh, who got me a table at the Scranton Cultural Center for the buy local Christmas event and there were probably about say like 50 vendors there on four floors so there were a lot of people and out of those 50 vendors I'm gonna say probably four or five were authentic handmade um, there's a lot of different things there but when I did the tour I only I seen very few authentic handmade so I was pretty proud to be there and I had no idea what it was going to be like this is the first time i was at this show and my friend joe was like i did well at it last year you need to go and it was a six hour show we were supposed to get there at like eight o'clock do the setup the show was from 11 to 4 and then uh, we do the breakdown and then we would come back well she gave me the time to be there and she likes to do everything early and thank goodness I listened to her because uh, parking was easy we went in we did the setup in this big um, this big hall and um, the, bu the building was very beautiful and we were on the main floor and they even gave us tables so, so that was really nice but we had our own tables so we set up in kind of like an L shape Put our work on that table so I brought two crates of pots probably there's probably 30 pots there of mugs and bowls and I had a few uh, handmade candles and I put them out and I used the uh, stretch cloths um, that stretch over the table to make it look kind of nice and then I had my my, my wood uh, my wood wood burned Creek Road Pottery sign I put out there, set all the pots up, and it looks fairly decent. Um, I used kiln brick as risers. Uh, I looked around and um, I knew some other vendors there and some friends, so I went and chatted with them to see how their booths were going and helped them a bit with setup if I could. And then um, I came back to my table and people started coming. Well, unlike in the shop, not everybody's going to care about pottery. So I had no idea what to do. I am out in the wild because it's been years 
since I did direct marketing. And direct marketing to me is kind of old fashioned. And, and I know people still do it. And I know that like it's still very important. But to me, um, you should be selling work that matters to people who care. And if you have to interrupt somebody to show them what you do, it means maybe they don't care as much, right? Because you gotta convince them. And um, that's what I don't like about it. Uh, I don't like being in the hustle. And I don't think people like hustling. And I just don't like that type of marketing because I just feel like a carnival worker yelling to the crowds, you know, to convince them to come over and for me to show them what I have and to sell them a piece of art they may not want, you know. But there were a few people there, and and I was really happy that they were there, uh, that did care. And they came over and they asked me questions and I talked to them about the process and um, they did buy some candles and some bowls and some mugs and a bunch of people took my cards. A few people asked about classes. Um, usually the people that take cards, they're usually in it for a gift for somebody else. Um, but I usually don't expect to hear people, I hear back from people uh, that took the cards. Um, just because the experiences that I've had with that um, don't always work out, right? I'm not saying it doesn't work, and I'm not saying that you should not do it. Uh, many people will just take an image of the card with their phone. But being out in the wild doing direct marketing was insane. And my face still hurts from fake smiling. And then eventually, eventually, I learned, I learned, uh, or I remembered what it was. And I kind of caught on and started uh, pushing myself a little bit more outside of my comfort zone and reaching out to people and talking to them when they just barely looked at the table, you know. Um, so once I could engage them and, uh, Ask them if they ever did pottery in high school or grade school or if they ever did um, any type of firings or pottery themselves, um, what types of colors they liked, all kinds of things. Um, they would stay and talk for a while, but um, only the ones who, who really cared or who were really looking for a gift um, would you know, buy it. But the most people, if you tried to interrupt them, um, they looked annoyed, you know. I always thought, like, you shouldn't have to interrupt somebody if you're going to um, sell them something. Like, they should already be looking for it. But maybe I just need to promote myself better in that area. Uh, but then you have the problem. Uh, here's the problem that you have if you start running pots in multiple areas. Um, I was at one event back home for a local trail, uh, Christmas in the Country, and that was going on at the same time as this event on a Sunday uh, at the Cultural Center. So I had my wife cover the home base 
while I took the pots out there. And I was not able to talk about the Cultural Center show as much because I didn't want to um, cause a problem with the trail organizers out here local by promoting people and asking people to go down there for my stuff. So um, I had to split it up the best I could. I did one post, you know, saying, hey, you know, my wife is at the um, home shop today. She's watching it. You can go in. You can still sign up for the raffle. It's the last day. You still have bowls and mugs there. At the same time, you know, this is my table. If you're ever in the Scranton area, come on down for this show. You know, I'll be here from 11 to 4. And I showed a video of what I had there. So, so I think that kind of worked out. Um, I definitely had enough pots. I was, I was happy with the results that I ended up um, making enough to cover the t both places without wiping both places out. Um, my audience up here is fairly used to not seeing very many pots on Sunday of the event because usually things are bought out Friday and Saturday and I start to get low on Sunday not unless I have another kiln load coming out and, uh, I may start doing that but a lot of the times between work and all I'm not able to produce um, that much to cover the volume that leaves here and um, so the pots get a little a little low on inventory so uh, when I was out there it was it was very strange uh, needing to strike up conversations with people um, and interrupt them to get their attention to come to my table and hear my story and see what see what I had uh, a lot of them uh, were just being nice you know they would be oh you know you do nice work but I'm not gonna buy this now <laughs> so it's all like okay you know uh, but man the lady that was selling the aromatherapy clay that changed colors oh, she was like raking it in and I was sitting there with my pots all by myself and uh seeing the lines over there and seeing her interact with people but I think that our price points were different um, everything on my table was $20 and up you know and uh, I think that was a big thing too so I think what I need to do is lower the price point and put in some what I should have done was put in some ornaments and uh, maybe had some cheaper or um, not cheaper, more cost-effective items there for people to buy and that they could enjoy the pots. So that's one thing that I need to do. Like maybe small trinket cups, 10 or $15 that they could buy or maybe small mugs or uh, like I was saying, ornaments and other small items that do better at an event like that because it just seemed that like they weren't spending large amounts of money they're buying a lot of smalls so and then it rained 
and I think the weather really dampened um, everything for up here at the home base. Um, my wife got <laughs> zero customers um, on Sunday, but we did good enough um, Friday and Saturday to definitely make up for the day Sunday that nobody showed here. And um, I was able to make some pretty decent money at the cultural center show that I went to. And uh, there was a lady from Florida who bought uh, like four bowls and we had a really good conversation. She comes back up in the fall and in the summer and the fall. So um, she was going to look up my shop and maybe even uh, enjoy herself going on the, one of the trails that we were all having up here. So um, I found that collaborations uh, in direct marketing is really good because uh, you can split tables to shows and um, just put yourself out there. I, I think that just being out there is a good thing because there were some really strong interactions that I had uh, to recruit people to um, look at my page and enjoy what they seen there and learn about how pots are made so so that was a plus but the other parts of approaching people and um, getting them to care about what I was doing was very foreign to me and I was totally out of practice friends let me tell you I I would make a horrible horrible car salesman I'd be starving to death right now if I was a car salesman. My friend Jill, on the other hand, oh, she was she was banging it out. She was approaching people, and she'd see kids, and she'd be like, "Oh, I have this kid's soap with a toy in it, and like you use it, you get the toy." And she was telling them all about her dryer balls and things like that. She, um, my friend, runs a goat farm, so she makes soaps. Uh, she makes dryer balls and so she had a pretty large variety and, and maybe that was it too that I had you know mainly um, a few things I had different uh, glaze colors of um, mugs and bowls and different shapes uh, some were done on the treadle wheel some were done on the electric and they were in different colors but um you know I, I think having that that lower price point uh, to allow people to come in and buy and not spend all their money in one place because they had to eat too and at places like that food can be very expensive my other problem with going to places that do a lot of direct selling is the money grab from the organizers so the table fee to get in there was I think 125 plus they charged an admission fee for buyers to come in three dollars per buyer so one time I went to a show like that there were no customers and I knew that the place just took the vendor fee money and people just set up and it was really sad so I was kind of like worried about that if I had not sold anything uh, I would have felt bad there were plenty of customers there who did pay the three dollars so 
I think that was a good price point for the tickets to get in. And the amount of vendors that were there, there were, you know, things that people enjoyed. Um, so that was, that was all right. I just, I don't know. I'm just very wary of some of the places that have, um, you know, jury fees you don't get back. It's like semi 200 bucks. Oh, sorry, you didn't get in kind of thing. Or you're on a wait list. Um, yeah, it's, it's really hard. So I know I'm complaining about stuff that people probably already know about. But if you're new, um, maybe attend shows first before you uh, decide to set up a table. Uh, get some practice telling your story. And get some practice with direct sales. So that way you're ready and you're not just out there wasting your time. But uh, if it's kind of like your hobby and you can test it out, it's fine to go out there and sometimes uh, just go out there as an advertisement and for kindness and to just show people what you do. And maybe you could do a demo or something. Um, and another thing that I did was uh, I took custom orders so um, I have a few orders I need to do and um, that's another way that you can generate revenue if you're having a bad time with direct marketing so what I need to practice is more direct marketing I have a few shows coming up um, next Saturday I have Christmas in Montrose so that's Friday and Saturday. And then we have the Artist Tour in May. And then Bunny Trail in March. And then also in May, we have the uh, Athens Arts Festival in Athens, New York. Athens, PA. I'm sorry. It's right up the road. And so that was fun. We... I got to go to it last year. I didn't enter in, but I um, I got to attend, and it looked like a fun time. There were quite a few people there. So I'm going to split a table with my friend, Jill, and we're going to see what we can do there. So that'll be fun. So that's what's been going on here. Hope, hopefully you've all been doing great. Um, I know it's been a long time, but I'm going to try to do these monthly now because things just get hectic and I don't get back on but I do appreciate every person that listens uh, feel free to visit my website um, I post a monthly story there and a monthly update so you can read some interesting stuff and some fiction stories about what happens around my hometown and uh, some interesting things and also, um, I have my uh, gallery up there so you can see what kind of pots I make, right? So I hope you all have a great holiday season and um, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I'll be back on for December to give you an update about how the custom orders went for the Christmas season. 
because I have a lot of custom orders to do before Christmas. So I need to get on that. So be well, friends. Take care of yourselves and each other, and have a great day.